Welcome to Timely Wisdom with Drs. Silas Bradford, Sarita Wright, Brenda Wallace, Carolyn Carlisle, and I am Denise C. Burns. You can watch us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Today our guest is Dr. Ann Lambert Johnson, Women in Dentistry. This was recorded on November 9th, 2021. Prayers. We have um, here on Timely Wisdom each week been able to introduce to some, present to others, some amazing men and women of God, uh, individuals that have laid a foundation for us, individuals who have just forged uh, new avenues for us. And we're really grateful. And today we won't disappoint you either. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we have as our guest today, Dr. Ann Lambert Johnson, uh, born in Richmond, Virginia. She was the sixth child and the second girl of seven children wow. born to Benjamin and Francis Lambert. Shout out to Virginia. She graduated valedictorian from Virginia Randolph High School in Glen Allen, Virginia. She graduated from uh, Virginia Union University with a BS degree in biology. Did you hear me, ladies? I said biology. Received an MS degree in botany. Hello. And microbiology from Howard University and a doctorate of dental surgery degree. She moved to Kansas City, Missouri in 1974, and after passing the Missouri Dental Board, began practicing dentistry with Dr. Frank Haig on 39th in Indiana in Kansas City, Missouri. Also, she worked part-time at Model City's Health Center, now known as Swope Parkway Health Center. She was blessed in February of 1978 to purchase her own building and began to her dental practice, becoming the first, I said first, African-American woman to practice dentistry in the state of Missouri. After 47 years of practice, she had been extremely blessed to have had the opportunity to meet wonderful people who have helped and inspired her, not only in dentistry, but also in community service. She belongs. Some of her memberships include, all right, Bradford, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, over 50 years, alumni in the house, Greater Kansas City Chapter of Lynx Incorporated, the Carousels, the Can Kansas Cityans Club, the West Passale Club, Howard University, Kansas City alumni, the American Dental Association, the Missouri Dental Association, the Greater Kansas City Dental Association Society, Heart of America Dental Society, the friends of Alvin Ailey. She is married to Dr. Nelson Johnson, OBGYN. Her daughters are Anel Johnson Dennison and Ann Elizabeth Johnson Kelly. And she has this grandson that she is absolutely crazy about and who adores his grandma. And his name is Christopher. Curtis Kelly Jr. Join us as we welcome Dr. Ann Lambert Johnson. Yay! 
wait, before we start, I, I just want to add something here. Um, we knew that a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated would be in the house. And I want you to just take a look at Dr. Wallace and Dr. Burns. Okay. <laughs> I, I just want you to take a look, you know? And <laughs> welcome, Sora. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. And to my other sisters, to uh, maybe of a non another organization, welcome to them too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Wright, go ahead, Dr. Wright. <laughs> Dr. Johnson, we are so very grateful to have you today. Um, I, I just want to give a shout out. Dr. Johnson is my personal dentist. And I absolutely, absolutely love her. Um, is it painful going in there sometimes? Mm -hmm. But the best part of it is the fellowship, the uh, professionalism, and the courtesy. And it's it's you know sometimes when when there is a a, a, a business of this nature, people are so busy and they're so important and they don't have time. I just want you to know that anytime you walk into that office, if you're in pain and there's a need, Dr. Johnson's going to find a way to see about you. And so I am just so honored that she accepted our invitation on today. I, I see different uh, uh, articles about her and I kept saying, Dr. Johnson, I, I, I need you to, you know, do we need to do something about this? <laughs> so it's, it's truly, truly a blessing. So we've got um, we've got some questions that that we we uh, prepared for you, and by all means, by all means, a woman of your caliber, you're not stuck in our little box, okay? So um, one of the things that we always start off by asking is, how are you surviving in those COVID streets? You know, the first thing I did was to get all of the shots and the booster. And then I uh, make sure that I will always wear my mask, especially when I'm out in a group. At work, I wear my mask and sometimes even a shield, uh, depending on what procedures I'm doing. I also have my staff with plenty of masks and so forth. And uh, usually all, we kind of have changed our uh, waiting room. We only have just one or two people in the waiting room at one time because you don't know if everybody's had their shots before. We ask, but before we see anyone, we have paperwork that they fill out and they have to say whether they've had the shots or not. A lot of people will bring their record that they've been um, had two or three shots and had the booster. Um, we also ask them if they've been sick in the last week or so, if they have any coughs or anything like that. And once we take their temperature to make sure that it's in the normal range and uh, we ask if anyone in their family has had covid or any illness that we need to be aware of. And so that so far so good has kept us safe. Uh, I've been well ever since and my staff has not been sick. So I think we must be doing something right. Uh, the only thing I'm missing is I'm missing going to the Chiefs games. But when I look at it on TV and see all the people sitting there with no masks, shouting, hollering, uh, saliva going everywhere, uh, it just uh, makes me like, I'm going to continue to watch it on TV. <laughs> and uh, wow. so, but I do, that's a big excitement thing in Kansas City going to the games. But this is the first year I haven't been to a game. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. Wow. And you are absolutely right. I I think a few weeks back, uh, there was a game that was on and Dr. Burns and I were talking about it. And Dr. Burns said, but Dr. Bright, the the people, all those people in the stands, and we were horrified. We were literally horrified. But I I agree. The shots are, 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 are very important. And uh, one of the things that concerns me with this is that you have a lot of uh, businesses will say, you know, you don't have to wear a mask if you've been vaccinated. Well, honestly, how do we know? Just just wear the mask. And one of the things that I have a concern with, and I, I noticed that there's been a lot of debate about whether or not we should continue to wear the mask or to take the mask off. And so... My thing is this, I find it awful interesting that a lot of people want to take the mask off, but all the medical professionals are keeping theirs on. (laughs) I think I'll hold on to mine too. I think that's very wise. The pandemic is not over and uh, other things are popping up and uh, you never know who you're running into, who's breathing on you, even if you're in the grocery store. You know, you got to be careful. So everywhere I go, I wear my mask. Before before you ask the question, just in light of that, I think, you know, we were talking about football, but I think Aaron Rodgers is 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 now the poster board for that. You know, that that people you're under the assumption um, based on the wording that they use. Mm-hmm. Um, that they've been vaccinated and and so therefore they're unmasked and so you mm-hmm. the thing of it is 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 about protecting yourself and and your family. Thank you, Doctor. You know, one of the worst things I've had to happen to me in the practice was a young, good-looking young man came in. He was about 50, 51 years old, and he had had a lot of problems with his teeth, and we had made him a new upper denture, and we kept calling him. And the calls weren't being returned and uh, for about three or four weeks, you know, and usually people don't wait that long to come get pick up their work when they really need it. And uh, I kept calling. There was no answer, no answer. And uh, one uh, day I got a call and it was his mother. And she said, uh, Doc, uh, I know my son has some teeth there. I said, yes. And I said, he paid for them. I don't understand why he hasn't been to pick them up. She says, well, I'm coming to pick them up. I said, well, he really needs to come in because I need to try him in and make sure he's happy with them and make sure they're fitting correctly. She said, doc, that won't be possible. Uh, He died and his funeral is this Monday and I'm coming to pick them up to take to the funeral home. And my heart just dropped. And uh, she said he had been sick for a while and she had tried to get him to go to the uh, doctor and he wouldn't go. And finally, that Sunday, he was so sick. She says, I'm coming to take you to Manoa Hospital. I don't care whether you want to go or not. We got to see what's wrong with you. She took him to the hospital. They put him on a ventilator and he passed 50 years old, her only child. Mm -hmm. And she said all her life, she had been uh, leaving messages and writing things for what him for what he was supposed to do when she died. And she never, ever dreamed that she would be burying him. And so when she came, I just hugged her and we'd said a prayer and asked God to give her the strength to get through this awesome ordeal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that was very sad. And it just shows you, he was just fine when I saw him and his temperature was okay and everything. But between that short length of time, 
and and I guess that's why he wasn't returning the calls because he didn't want to let people know how sick he really was. And he probably didn't know because I doubt seriously if he even went to the doctor because he probably thought he was going to be okay. It was just something that was, was going to pass and it didn't pass. Wow. 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 Well, Dr. Johnson, we've got several questions uh, that uh, we prepared and, and certainly we want you to be able to elaborate on uh, the mentoring work that you do uh, with the young ladies. I was so excited that Dr. Johnson shared about a, a, a group of young ladies that she has been, they, they wanted them to be able to experience um, some other parts of culture. And they got together, her group, and they took these young women on a trip. Can you tell us about that, Dr. Johnson? Yes. Uh, one of the biggest joys of my life has been taking young people on trips. But the one I told you about was the one with the group of girls I work with, with uh, one of our news commentators, uh, Cynthia Newsom. They started a group called Awesome Ambition. And these are junior and senior high school girls and some 10th graders, too, uh, they meet. We used to meet every Saturday. Then we uh, have a, we had to go for uh, and do Zoom meetings. But uh, the girls come, and we have speakers and things to encourage them. We have programs. We take them to companies, and a lot of the larger companies in uh, Kansas City are helping us to support these needs. But most of these girls had never traveled, they had never been on an airplane, and they never really left Kansas City. And so we decided to take them on a trip to Washington, D.C. And they were so excited and we were amazed because they came up with that part of the money. We were able to raise some funds also to take them. But uh, this was my uh, idea because I lived in D.C. for a long time and there's just so much to see and do there. I thought this would be the perfect place. So we had a friend who was a travel agency. So she got tickets at a very reasonable price for the girls to fly on Southwest Airlines. And so, we took about 28 girls and uh, they had the time of their life. We flew. And the amazing thing was we, the plane was supposed to leave at six in the morning. All the young ladies and the parents got them to the airport on time, which was really unusual. And uh, we got checked in and went to where the plane was going to take off. And there was something wrong with the plane. So we had to be in the airport with these young ladies at six o'clock in the morning till about 430 that evening. And so my husband negotiated with Southwest that these were young people, they needed to eat. So, because uh, he went as a medical advisor in case something happened, he'd be there. And um, we got Southwest to give the girls breakfast and lunch. And then uh, they each got a travel voucher for $190. And that was just from being persistent and sending, this is their first trip. And I had bought, they all had tickets to go to the Kennedy Center that night at six o'clock to see a show. And uh, they were going to miss that because the plane wouldn't even be there. So we called the Kennedy Center and the guy told the guy about the trip and the young ladies and so forth. So he arranged for them to go that Saturday night at a special showing so that they could see the Kennedy Center and they could see the movies and so forth. It was a, a great experience for us. We went to the um, Capitol and the girls got to take pictures at the Capitol before the great <laughs> breakdown. And um, they enjoyed it. They went into the rooms. They saw the Martin Luther King statue. 
and the Rosa Parks statue. They went all over and toured to see how business was taken care of at the Capitol and so forth. And uh, it was amazing because we were at a meeting and we showed the destruction of the Capitol and they were so upset. And the first thing they wanted to know, did they ruin the Martin Luther King statue? Did they ruin the Rosa Parks statue? And certain things that it seemed. And it was really interesting because our, our representative, uh, our representative uh, uh, Cleaver uh, got us uh, special tours of the uh, Capitol so that the girls could go. And he arranged it and had people to meet us and tour us and so forth. And it was a wonderful experience for them. And to see it on TV, they were just so upset that this was something they had seen. And they still have the pictures of them standing on the Capitol before it was uh, Capitol steps before it was destroyed. They got to uh, go to Howard University and uh, spend a day with and some of the Howard students took them around, took them on tours of the rooms, the, the books. They love the bookstore because all of them bought Howard T-shirts and stuff. And uh the nice thing about that, two of the girls on the tour ended up going to Howard that next year. So we were very happy about that. Um, they went to see the Martin Luther King statue. We went to the uh, some, the African-American Museum, which was really an outstanding experience for the girls. And most of the girls had never stayed in a hotel before and never just been on their own before. So they felt really grown. And we had plenty really good chaperones that kept an eye on them and everything. And the only problem we had was the night before we left, uh, a basketball team of really cute young men came in and they were to go up to the pool. So, <laughs> so that was a challenge, but uh, we did send some chaperones up to the pool, let them stay like 30 minutes and then come down. It's good for them to meet kids from other areas, I guess, but uh, they enjoyed it. And uh, they talk about it now. And, um, uh, Another group we took were young ladies uh, from my church. Uh, I used to be a Girl Scout leader and a Cub Scout leader. So we also took them to Washington, D.C. as little girls. And it was amazing because then we took them to the White House and they were able to tour the White House and sit on the gates in front of the White House and take pictures and uh, go to the zoo there. They just, you know, they were younger kids, but they too enjoyed it. And I just feel like when kids get out and get exposed, it just changes their whole outlook on life. So we're always planning trips and trying to take young ladies places. Well, wow. Dr. Johnson, so with that, you talk about the young people. Um, what what preparations then um, are needed to encourage young aspiring girls to become dentists um, like you? You know, uh, my biggest success in uh, encouraging girls to become dentists is letting them come into the office from time to time just to observe uh, I am so proud. I have three young ladies who graduated now from dental school. And when they were in middle school, they would come and they were patients and they'd come and they'd ask questions and so forth. And I said, why don't you come and spend a day with me? And they would do that. And then sometimes when there was a big convention or something in the city where you could take them to like see all the exhibits and stuff, I would always take one. I just said, this is one of my assistants and take them with me to see all the things that are exposed, they could be exposed to. And then um, I uh, had them to see what they needed to do to go to school to be a dentist so that they could start preparing themselves to making good grades and studying and taking the correct courses and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm really proud. I've got one young lady now who is it, her junior year at the University of Missouri. 
And we have been trying to recruit African-American students, not only girls, but boys too, to the University of Missouri. We've talked with the uh, new leaders and so forth. And they realized, you know, it doesn't make sense for a school only having one African-American student per class or two per class when it's a state school and they can go and get an education. So more kids are becoming aware of what's available. A lot of times our kids just don't know what's available and what they need to do to, to do these different programs. So that, now, was- now that leads into another, into another question about how the African-American churches can become involved in promoting um, African-American dentists and other STEM uh, programs. So do you have any suggestions for us? Yes. You know, um, after uh I used to belong to Church of Palestine, Missionary Baptist Church in Kansas City. And we would actually have uh, a, uh, a Saturday where different professionals would come in and uh, talk about the different fields, not only dentists, but physicians, veterinarians, and so forth, and would tell the kids what they needed to do to prepare. Because I think one of the mistakes we make is we don't start early enough preparing our kids for higher education. And uh, we don't talk to them enough about being able to pass different exams and so forth. And we don't work with them for, uh, to get them to be good readers, teaching them study skills. And uh, that was something we started doing is taking kids, helping them, giving them tutors. You know, most kids don't understand. If you don't understand something, you just don't understand. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are people who can help you to understand it better. So we started making... Um, Tutors and uh, college kids who were home would come in and help the kids who were having problems. We even had a program for the uh, ACT and SAT so that when they took that, they could make higher scores and get scholarships and stuff like that. And those are the type of things we really churches can do and do very effectively because most churches have people, a lot of teachers and a lot of you know people who are in positions that can give insight on, on doing things like that. And then if you're in a college town, a lot of the college students will actually come over. They want to make a little extra money or get an extra meal. They'll come over and tutor a class and do some things uh, with the kids to inspire them to be more productive in school. So it seems that the uh, HBCUs like Howard, they're they're getting a boost in funding from uh, many sources since the election of Vice President Harris. Thank God. Mm-hmm. How do you and she's a Howard graduate too. Yes. <laughs> How do you think uh, um, all HBCUs, including the seminaries, can also capitalize on this momentum for funding? I think first of all, they need, they need to let a lot of the funders know that they exist, and they need to just ask. Uh, you know, it's not all you got to do is just ask because a lot of times uh, funders. Uh, don't come out looking for you. You have to go look for them. I know with the Avenelli, I was uh, on the board of Avenelli, and I was just amazed because I got to pair off with some uh, very knowledgeable uh, fundraisers who have to be of the other race. But I learned how they have no problems walking in, asking banks, asking companies for money, and they don't don't blink an eye, and they have it all written out why they need the money. They might show a video of how important it is. I mean, they put together a video about African-American kids dancing for ALE and how important it was and had them talk about the difference it made in their life and how it changed them and so forth. 
And uh, when some of the companies saw this, it was great. And then we also need to start contacting uh, African-Americans who are working for these companies and get them to be our spokesperson too. Uh, Coca-Cola is in Kansas City and we wanted some money. So I have I met the, one of the black directors at Coca-Cola and talked to him and he says, well, write up a proposal, bring it to me. And I told him, you know, we needed money. And sure enough, they gave us money, you know. And uh, so a lot of times we just have to extend ourselves and not be afraid to approach people. All they can say is no. And then you just move on to the next company. But there are a lot of companies now that are reaching out to help uh, churches, schools, and so forth. So uh, I think that if you've got a good program and it's doing something, then you need to uh, put a little effort in asking for some more money to run it better. Dr. Johnson, you talked about, um, first of all, we just celebrate you as being the uh, first African-American female in the state of Missouri to uh, start a practice and to become a dentist. Um, share with us your experience. Uh, you know, what did your parents say when you told them about that you wanted to be a dentist? And then share with us your experience when you went to take your final exams. Well, this would be interesting because uh, what happened was I, I was teaching and my parents, in the community I grew up in, you went to college, you came back to your your surroundings, and you became a teacher in the school that you grew up in and so forth. And so that was that was the mentality. And uh, mine was a little different. I uh, finished school and I went to Howard. And then when I finished Howard, I just thought I wanted to do uh, research. So I got a job at the uh, VA hospital in Washington, D.C., doing research, but I was in the um, renal department. And after having trays and trays of urine come down every morning, it was the first thing I saw when I went to work that had to be examined and checked out and experimented on. I decided that uh, I didn't know if I wanted to do that. And so I started doing research there. And uh, at that time, I was only Black doing the research. So they expected me to do all the dirt work. And then uh, one time I did a paper for them and wrote up everything, looked up the materials, did the experiment and everything. But then when it was published in the book, everybody's name was on there but mine. Even though I had done all the work, done all the research and everything. And I'm like, you know, uh, I can't take this. I, I'll hurt somebody soon and I just need to leave this job. So uh, when I was at uh, in grad school, I used to substitute at different schools. So I said, well, I'll just go get a job substituting. And it just so happened that one of the schools that I used to substitute at, the uh, person who was over the science department was pregnant and she was taking leave. So she told the principal to call me uh, to take over her position. So I ended up teaching at Baloo High School, which was in southeast Washington. And um, it was a difficult school because we had you know, really uh, some challenged students there. But I enjoyed it because I guess I just like challenged school. And I took those kids to... Um, Montreal, the senior class. I was a senior class sponsor, so I took those kids to Montreal. We had a great time. Uh, the kids had never been outside of that area before, and uh, we we had a lot of stuff to deal with because the kids thought 
the gift shop was for them just to take what they wanted without paying. So we had to get all that stuff straight. But the kids really enjoyed uh, the trip. And so I enjoyed teaching and uh, had planned to teach that next year. And what happened was um, I, I had been tutoring two guys in my apartment building who were in dental school. And uh, I was tutoring them in microbiology. And they just happened to become, um, start recruiting uh, people for the dental school. So they told me they thought I needed to go to dental school and how what I would do. And they had already filled out my application. So all I had to do was to sign it. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I did do that, but still didn't have that much to think about going to dental school. It was just an opportunity. And then uh, one day at work, and I had signed a contract to go back to teach that next year. I got a call from the dean at the dental school and he said he wanted to talk to me. And I'm like, OK, he said, I want to offer you, make you an offer that you can't refuse. That was right after the Godfather, I guess. And he said, uh, I want to give you a full ride to dental school. And he said, we're starting a special program and you've been highly recommended. And so I said, oh, my goodness. He said, uh, I said, but I don't have that kind of money right now. I just bought a car. He said, no, you, you're not hearing me. I'm going to give you a full ride. I'm going to pay your tuition. I'm going to buy all the instruments for you. All you have to do is go and start on this program. And it's a special program we're starting. It starts in uh, June. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I just signed the contract to be over the honors program at the high school and so forth. So he said, well, you know what? I think this will be a better opportunity. And so I said, OK, I'll take you up on it. So I talked to my principal and he said, well, I, I understand. I, I would do the same thing myself. So then uh, I got to thinking, oh, my goodness, they're paying my tuition. How I'm going to live because I won't have this job. And um, I, God is so good. He, he gives you the right direction. And I was talking to uh, one of my homeboys that was at Howard's Dental School. And I was saying, you know, uh, how are you enjoying dental school? He said, and it's great. And I think you would enjoy it too. He said, but I said, but I don't have any money to live on. And I've got an apartment and a car note. He said, and let me tell you something. He said, you don't remember, but the state of Virginia put money in a fund for black students so that they would not ruin their precious schools in Virginia, the professional schools. So if you're going to medical school or dental school or law school, anything like that, that fund is there. He said, now things have changed and things are integrated there. But those city, silly white people never thought to stop that money from going into that account. So that account is full of money. And he said, um, I use some of it and it helped me, you know. And I, he said, go. He told me where to go. And I called, well, God is so good. The money was at Virginia State College. And the person who was over it was Nadine of students there. And he was my minister at my church for years in Richmond, Virginia. So he married most of my family and uh, he was at my wedding, but he wasn't uh, at the church anymore. He'd gone to the, uh, to the university. And um, he, I called him. He said, girl, come over here and get your money. How much do you need? And so for four years, that's what funded me for living. And uh, my only problem was I had to sign a contract that when I graduated, I go back to Virginia and work for each year that I received the money. Well, my sophomore year, I met a young man who took my fancy and uh, we decided to uh, get married 
And uh, he was the uh, second, you just finished our second year. His is medical school and my, I was in dental school. And I thought, oh my goodness. But the funniest thing was before I went to dental school, I thought maybe I'd get some more money from my parents, but I was the six of seven kids that they've been sending to school. So they weren't really anxious about putting out it. They wanted to get ready for retirement. So when I called my father and I told him that I had a chance to go to dental school, I was so disappointed because I expected him to just be so proud and so happy of me. And my father said to me, oh, my God, girl, you will have so much education. You're not going to ever get a man. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just shocked. So what I said with my cool self, I said, well, Dad, you know, you might be right. But look at this way. If I don't get a man, I will be able to make enough money to take care of myself and do anything I need. With by working, and I will have a position that you know I'll be proud of. And he said, "Well, I just don't know about that." And so they made it clear that well, this is your job now. You you've got your master's, and if you want to keep going to school, you know we'll help you. We'll make sure you have food and stuff like that. But all that tuition paying, we we're we're getting ready for retirement. So I understood, and it was okay. And I didn't have the nerve to tell him right then, well, I really don't need your money right now because I'm getting money. But I just, you know, said, okay. And so they were happy, and they were very proud uh, that when I graduated and uh, I had a husband. So (laughs) they were happy. But uh, it was interesting because uh, at that time, people just think differently about women being too educated, which is just unbelievable now for me to to fathom that. Yeah. But uh, it was what it was. Yeah. One of the viewers has Chriselle uh, McDaniel sent a question and she says, how do you feel about the protest at Howard going on now over the living condition? And you may or may not know about that. Yes. Unfortunately, I do know about it. Uh, of course, all my friends have been calling me uh, to let me know, you know, what's going on up there. I do have a niece that's up there near in law school. Um, but you know, the problem is it is, it's, it's, it's shameful that it's happening and it's shameful that we as graduates aren't sending enough money to correct a lot of those problems. Um, I am glad that uh, a lot of companies have started giving them money and a lot of conditions as a lot of, I got about two weeks ago have been corrected and have been improved upon, um, it's just that, like most African-American schools, they just don't have the funding to do all the things that they need to do. Um, and it's, it's, it's very sad. And it was very sad. I went to visit a friend of mine who's teaching at the dental school. And um, I wrote a check that I probably shouldn't have written, but I was so touched by the stuff I saw when I went there that needed to be corrected. And I thought, well, you know, you were blessed that you'd be a blessing to some of these kids so that they can benefit from from the correction of this era right here. You can't correct everything, but you can make a difference in some things. And so you got to start somewhere. And then I came back home and I called 12 of my classmates that graduated with me that I knew were doing well, but they had not been back to the school. And I explained to them some of the things I saw. And I encouraged them, and most of them did send checks to the school to help alleviate some of the problems. And I think that in in most black schools, we just don't do enough to 
make our graduates understand they still need your support and you still got to help them. If you want to send your kids there and uh, have them be successful, uh, you, you just got to write a check from time to time to help them. You know? Wow. But it's, it, I was very hurt to see the conditions of the school and so forth. But, you know, unfortunately, money goes only so far. And a lot of the kids uh, are there. They're not all paying tuition. Hmm. So that makes a difference, too. You know, you said a mouthful. Um, I went to three PWIs and at graduation, they handed out envelopes. You will become your alumni now. So you will become a donor. Also, I'm, I'm thinking, OK, so if this is what's happening in the PWIs, this should be happening at HBCUs as well. So you're absolutely right. I am encouraged to give to um, our HBCUs as well. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, that that's that's powerful, Dr. Johnson, because I know my son went to uh, an HBCU in Arkansas, in Little Rock, Arkansas. He went to Philander Smith. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Mm-hmm. He was just, uh, that was his heart's desire, was he wanted to go to an HBCU college. And so... Um, you know, I was excited because it's six foot six with a size 17 shoe. This is my man. <laughs> he's going down here to be a star on the court and he's got a scholarship. Uh, but nobody told me that when I get, until I got down there in the nice parent meeting that, uh, so now you got to do fundraisers. I said, no, 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 no. My son has a, a scholarship. He's if yes, but you got to sell some t-shirts, you got to sell some candy, you got to sell some popcorn around the holidays, you got to say, and I said, what am I selling all this for? And so the kids can stay here. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I get that. And to hear you <coughs> that you participated in and 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 I I, I listened to uh I love these motivational and inspirational uh, uh, topics in the early in the morning to start my day. And there's uh, one young man, his, his whole thing is, if you want to do better, you have to learn how to do better for someone else. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to give. And so we can't complain about what we're seeing if we're not going to do anything about it. And so I just commend you for that. That that speaks volumes. Let me let me ask you this question. So if you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently, if anything? You know, um, that's a hard question because you once you've done, you see so many different things you could do. Uh, the only thing I probably would do differently, I probably wouldn't have gone to graduate school and I would have gone straight to dental school. And then I would have probably come out and specialized in something like uh, endodontist, a periodontist, uh, orthodontist, so forth. Um, I had been in school so long um, that when I came out, I just wanted to work and make some money and do something, you know, uh, differently. I just wanted to be able to breathe and enjoy life without having to worry to go home and study, study, study. So that would be the probably the only thing I'd do differently. I'd probably have figured out what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know at the time what I wanted to do 
with my life. So I did the research because I thought that's what I wanted to do. But then I realized that wasn't for me. And then I taught. Now, I really love teaching and I love the students. And uh, each chance that I get now to to teach kids or work with kids, I, I still do it because it's just something so rewarding about that. When you see kids prosper and grow, when you see sad kids all of a sudden smiling again, when you give them hope and you show, you're able to sit down and talk to them and show them a different way to go. Um, you know, um, the Deltas uh, here in Kansas City, we do a cotillion. And there was a little girl that was so sweet and I just loved her to death. But her father had a stroke. And her mother was working, trying to take care of the kids and the father and so forth. But she was smart. And I wanted her to be in the cotillion. And uh, she was saying, well, I just don't know. I said, i tell you what. Uh, I got your back. And she said, what? I said, yeah. I said, I'm going to give you the check to go so that you can be in the cotillion. And I'm going to help you. And so she said, really? I said, yes. And uh, this girl was very smart. And she wanted to go to medical school, and but she just had such a um, special home life that it was going to be difficult. But I didn't want her to get uh, discouraged. So uh, we signed up for the um, cotillion, like made sure she went to the activities and she had what she needed. And I, the mother was like, she, we can't afford this. I said, you can't, but I can and I will. So give her this chance. I said, she's a young lady. She's taking care of her father. She's, her mother was working. She was getting home from school, cooking, feeding her dad, getting him ready for bed because he was just really bad off. And I said, she needs some type of reward. She needs to know that there's something she that should be a little happiness for her. She's going to be, you know, she's in high school and she just needs to feel good, you know, about things. And so she started going to the meeting. She started meeting other young ladies and they started having activities and she really enjoyed it. So it came time for the presentation that night and she was like, I don't have this. I don't have that. So I said, Oh yes, you do. Uh, uh, we're going down to the place to get fitted for your dress. And then she got fitted for dress. So she told me, she says, I don't have any shoes. I said, well, that's just the store away. Let's go get you some shoes. And she cried and she said, you know, uh, I can't believe this is happening to me. And I said, well, believe it. I said, you know, baby, there's a God and God has asked me to work with you and to show you somebody worked with me. Somebody showed me the way. So he is making me stand up to my responsibility net to show you the way. So she says, well, you know, I don't have my father can't come to uh, present me. I said, but you have a brother. And your brother is going to present you because I've already talked to your mother and told her and they've got him a suit and everything. So her brother did come. He presented her. He danced with her doing the dance. And the mother was so happy. And she sat next to me because she said, you know, I've never been to anything like this. And I don't want to be using the wrong utensils and stuff like that. I said, you, you just sit next to me and you just. I'll tell you what to use. So don't worry about that. I don't want people at the table laughing at me. And I said, no, nobody's going to laugh at you. You look very nice. You presented your daughter with your son and you deserve some time out too. Tonight is your night to enjoy yourself and to enjoy that. And she was so happy. And every now and then she calls me to see how I'm doing. The girl is doing very well. She didn't go to medical school, but she did go to school. And so that that was important. And I told her, eventually, you can always re you know, reapply to go and so forth. 
but because of the family situation, they didn't think that was a wise idea to do at that time. But uh, it's amazing what a difference, because it gave her a self-esteem. It gave her, it took her out of just everything being a downer. And uh, it's, it's sometimes, you know, like I, I denied myself a lot, but to do that, but it was worth it to me. Because if you can make a smile on a, a young lady's face who's going through what that young lady was going through, you can sleep so much better at night. And then God works his miracles for you in other ways. Yeah. Well, Dr. Johnson, we want to thank you so very much um, for being our guest on today. Um, we don't often have an opportunity um, individually, collectively, even through social media to be able to see um, Black women. Um, who are doctors, um, who, have, who are experts in their field. And, and so to hear from you and to also to hear your faith, it, it has been, you, um, we had expected to hear dentistry, but what we hear is we hear your faith and your faith in action so very much throughout your profession. And this has been a blessing uh, to us on today. Um, thank you for your heart. Thank you for your dedication. Thank you for the skill of your practice of being with us on today. Well, thank you so very much. You know, I have faith because God has blessed me. Um, and I'm going to share this and I'm going to get off because I know you guys got to go. But uh, about eight or nine years ago, I had a friend of mine who's a dentist. And uh, he was calling me every day asking me had I had a mammogram done. And I couldn't figure it out. But every week at the same day, the same time, he would call me. Did you go get your mammogram? And I'm like, every that time, everybody would say, take your friend to the to the doctor day and stuff like that. So I thought that was just a part of that. But he called. He says, you know, would you just do me a favor and go get a mammogram? And I'm like, OK, you know, so I made the appointment for the next day after I talked to him. And when I went, I found out that uh, I had breast cancer and I was just so blessed that he cared enough for me to make me go and take that test because I would have never known. And when I went and uh, had the bi uh, biopsy done, it was, it was malignant. And uh, the guy said, I told him, he said, how did you, why did you go? Uh, he said, because you've been before. I said, yeah. I said, but my friend just kept worrying me to go get another one. And he was calling me all the time, just really you know, worrying me. So I decided to go. And uh, he said, well, your friend just saved your life because this is malignant and it's a fast growing one. And, uh, you know, we, we can take care of it. And so uh, I called him up and I said, um, why? Why did you worry me to go take that? I said, because, you know, I'm going to be with you the rest of my life. You saved my life. And he said, yeah. He said, the reason I want you to go because... We had the same family history. We used to talk all the time about different things happened in that family. All of his family, brothers, and he too had had uh, prostate cancer. And they had done a study uh, on them at, uh, in Michigan. And they found out that in families where most of the men have uh, prostate cancer, the women will usually get breast cancer or colon cancer. And he shared that with me. He said, I didn't, couldn't, call, couldn't tell you that when I was calling you because I didn't want to alarm you. And I figured I've told you that you probably still wouldn't have gone, you know. And I said, I, I love you and I really appreciate you saving my life. The doctor told me your consistent calls saved my life. 
And my family history was the same as his family history. And his sister had had uh, it. And so um, when someone takes the time to call you because they know that's the right thing to do to save your life, you know that that is nobody but God. And when God has granted you a chance, because my kids were in college, and I thought, oh, I'm going to die. They're not going to see. I'm not going to see them have kids, have get married or anything like that. I'm, you know, your heart just drops because you know what cancer means. And uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. But I was, you know, freaking out. And I thought, you know, God picked me up. He saved me and he delivered me from what I could have been. And I was just so grateful. And I promised to God at that time that I, too, would lift people up and I would be grateful. And as long as I was able, I would do whatever I could do to help other people. And that's been my life creed because I promised God that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Bless you for that. And thank you um, for that. Just hang around for us backstage just for a moment. Thank you, audience. Please uh, let Dr. Lambert Johnson know your pleasure of her being with us on today. Wow. 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 That was indeed, that closing message was absolutely powerful. All right. Um, audience, thank you uh, for being with us on today. And the Lord says the same, uh, same time next uh, week. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you.